while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest, my Reasonable Voice guest today is Ashley Warner, a psychotherapy, a psychoanalysis, author, New York Institute for Psychoanalytic Self-Psychology, Greater New York City area, my hometown, as you know. Uh, Ashley Warner, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Marcello. Thanks. It's great to be here. I, I hope I didn't uh, botch your introduction. <laughs> I think you hit all the highlights. Thanks. Yeah, oh. I've uh, been busy down here in New York. It's true. Or up here in New York. That, yes. Well, and also, I, I guess I want to start off, we, we do want to say, with all the headlines of sexual harassment and misconduct, etc., I thought it was time, it is never uh, a pleasant uh, conversation to have, but it's a necessary. And some unpleasant conversations are necessary. And um, Ashley Warner has been a target of sexual assault and has written a book uh, the year after. It's a memoir of her experience and how she came back from that and has helped so many others deal with similar issues. You know, I know that uh, most people think all of a sudden there's all of this sexual violence and sexual misconduct in America. It isn't all of a sudden. Uh, It's just that, um, well, thanks to courageous authors like my guest, Ashley Warner, and to the hashtag MeToo, a pro-female spotlight now shines on sexual misconduct in America. And we, Uh uh, I think it's unending headlines, but uh, I want to talk to you about a number of things. I mean, this goes from Hollywood, of course, to to New York City, to Washington, D.C., to Alabama. I mean, it's all points in... So let me let you get a word in. Where are we? What 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 do you think is happening to the psychology as many Americans are finally forced to recognize and uh, accept this truth about ourselves? Marcello, you make some excellent points. Uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment is not a new experience in the United States, certainly. And uh, I think what's happening now in our 
you know, in Hollywood and in the celebrity uh, news media is that we see a microcosm of what's been happening, you know, in, in every industry for, mm-hmm. you know, for a long, long, long time. The fact is that most sexual assaults are perpetrated by someone known to the victim. Mm-hmm. And this is what's happening uh, in the workplace. So, you know, these are men who have taken advantage of their position of power with uh, subordinates and with uh, women and men who felt they were not in position to say no. Mm. And that's really what sexual assault is about. It's about power and control. It's not about sexuality. But we now know, of course, it's corporate America. It happens in offices, not just on Wall Street, but on Main Street. And it seems to be government at all levels. And one of the worst things about that is not only is the woman victimized, but the taxpayer pays for keeping her quiet. And then the military we've spoken about before and university campuses. Go ahead, you jump in. Term. Mm. You know, just to maybe start with that, it's, it's, a lot of people have a problem with rape culture. And I just want to clarify that rape culture does not mean that we are creating rapists. Mm. Rape culture just highlights sort of insidious, you know, cultural context in which men who are rapists are freer to exploit women. And uh, it creates an environment where men who are you know, not rapists, aren't free to stand up for uh, the women and men who are being victimized. So rape culture, I think, is is something that's really misunderstood. Mm. You know, it's a a very small amount of of men who are actually perpetrators, but the ones who are assault again and again and again, and that's what is coming to light with the, the news media stories as well. You know, there's men who have gosh, dozens and even hundreds of accusations of women who have come forward, right? There's, oh, gosh, the numbers now, you you know, uh, one director has over 300 uh, women accusing him of sexual harassment. Weinstein is up to, I think, 90 at this point. You know, again, this is like a a big screen center wing of the circus, and the women who are coming forward are also women of, uh, of some some power at this point, and, and social media, I think, has allowed us to gain a community voice like never before, mm-hmm. where um, there's a momentum created for, at last, there is, you know, a demand to be heard, and, and finally it's coming uh, to fruition that we, these voices are finally being heard. Well, I, I think it's true, and you've made you too, uh, as you said of me, I say of you uh, especially, you've made a lot of great points, and one of them I'd like to point out, and I, I know uh, for those who think I'm only saying this because I'm a man, that isn't true, but it, it's tough in times like this to realize it's not like this is an epidemic. It seems an epidemic because it's been hidden for so long, uh, women afraid, you know, intimidated by powerful men who, who evidently have no uh, sense of decency. But, but, but there are two points that I'd like you to, to hit on again, if you don't mind. Most men are not rapists. And secondly, men also get raped. And the, the fact that uh, this has become such a political thing now, I don't want it to be just about p- politics. I want us to really see what's behind this 
as a society and start dealing with it. Because if we don't, my fear is there will be a backlash against women and this will dissolve as quickly as it came. You, you tell me. Um, hopefully we have enough momentum going that we will continue to charge forward and continue to hear these voices. But yes, this should not be politicized. I think that's another reason that what's happening in the um, entertainment industry uh, gives us a little bit more power than when we're talking about the sexual harassment incidents that are being reported by those in government. When it happens in the government arena, it is you know, it's becoming a partisan issue, and it is not, uh, should not be a partisan issue. Um, you know, if a Republican is accused, it's being labeled fake news or, you know, as a, some sort of political attack to destroy somebody's campaign and vice versa. So I think the fact that so many stories are breaking in entertainment gives us a little bit more opportunity to have it depoliticized. This is an issue that crosses all, you know, crosses party lines. Mm, yes. <laughs> and, it, you know, it happens to people of all, you know, race, all socioeconomic levels. You know, it's an uncomfortable truth, but rapists walk amongst the upper social strata as well. You mm. know, most men are not rapists. I mm. think a tiny 3% um, of men are perpetrating the sexual assault, but they are on all levels of the social strata, including those at the very top, as we've been saying in the news. And, and I think also, uh, I feel, I've mentioned to you off-air, a day-to-day -day surgeon, never got to see you in an operating room, but I did, uh, when she was on call, and calls would come in and hear how she would... Uh, respond on the phone telling them what to do mm -hmm. and she'd be right over or whatever. Uh, my my point of that is what I learned knowing her and dating her was that um, uh, men don't, men think rape is, uh, that's a generalization, uh, but um, rape on uh, seems to be about, oh, if it's it's intercourse and it's not wanted, that's rape. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it, and I want you to go there for us on, you know, uh, college campuses and 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 wherever and, and as we've discovered in the halls of justice and at all levels and blue collar uh -huh. industries. I mean, what what do how educate us men? What constitutes sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape, and is there a difference? And should we be responding differently as a society? Assault is—it's uh, it, a legal term, which varies from state to state. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, unwanted touching, unwanted—you know—physical behavior it all constitutes um, an assault. Um, harassment may be, you know, a verbal assault that's unwanted, but it, that's mostly a legal term, and it's hard to talk about generally because it does vary state to state. Mm -hmm. But. But, you know, something that is important to point out, I think, is the term date rape, which became popular, um, as if rape by someone known is less heinous than rape by someone unknown. Mm. Um, you know, calling something date rape is sort of, you know, makes it become date light. And in fact, it can be more psychologically damaging 
to be attacked, assaulted in such a way by someone that you have known and trusted. That can even be more devastating. Yes. State rape is an attempt, I think, to make the experience more palatable because people cannot tolerate the idea that it could happen to you or it could happen by people known to you. Mm. You know, that's one reason it's so difficult to have conversations about sexual assault is because psychologically it is we are programmed to disavow what is overwhelming to us psychologically. Mm. So, you know, you can know and not know something at the same time. And sexual assault is something, you know, it's a crime against the most intimate parts of our body and psyche. It's a crime against our very identities. Mm. You know, we identify with our sexuality in a way we don't identify with um, our television, should someone come in and steal our TV out of our house, for example. That's a crime that's easier to talk about and easier to recognize someone who committed a crime. You know, when we're talking about our very sense of self and a threat to that um, and a threat to that by someone that we may know it's just very psychologically frightening and the way too often it's dealt with is by behaviors such as blaming the victim Mm. if you blame the victim then it's her or his problem that it happened and so i won't be so stupid as to do what that person did fall victim and then you feel protected like it can't happen to you. Well you say so much in a very short period of time but uh, since you've uh, kind of touched on uh, in what I was hearing in part is this this often heard well she shouldn't have dressed like that or she shouldn't Mm -hmm. have gone out after dark in that neighborhood and those uh, they're so blatantly insulting to me to hear anyone say something like that. We are all responsible, yes, for our behavior and our choices, but when a man uh, chooses to uh, give unwanted attention in the extreme or not in the extreme, I mean, there are, as you say, there are certain verbal choices, things we say, uh, guys telling dirty jokes or or other things that I've heard, uh, you know, in a woman's presence, assuming that's okay with them, but... Uh, it often isn't, and we need to listen. But you, 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 what do you think? Well, yeah, I think that's all part of this clunky term rape culture. I think rape culture, you know, makes it permissible for that kind of unwanted joking to happen by someone who maybe is not a rapist or wouldn't dream of harming uh, a woman in a criminal or a man in a criminal way. So it also makes that permissible, and as well as you know, facilitating opportunities for rapists and uh, to um, perpetrate their crimes without consequence. Yeah. So it's a pervasive, ongoing problem. And uh, we're going to take a short break soon, but I I want to say there's much more to talk about with my guest uh, Ashley Warner, who is the author of The Year After a Memoir. And Ashley, what is the the second book, the journal? Uh, The second book is The Year After Journal, Your Guide to Reclaiming Personal Power After Rape. It's a companion to the memoir for people uh, in recovery from sexual assault to follow along with writing prompts and and short essays and lots of 
support and encouragement along the way. Now, does that mean that in the second book, having read the memoir, a, uh, mm-hmm. a woman or, or a target of rape or sexual assault, or harassment, all of it, I want to keep make certain everyone understands all of that is under the umbrella that we need to address and, and change the way we think and feel. But um, when they have the journal, they are given the opportunity and space to write their thoughts and feelings and reactions? Exactly. It is actually a journal with space within the book to, to write both inspired perhaps by some of the writing prompts that are included uh, for every day and also plenty of free space just for writing whatever occurs to you. And I guess that contributes, we would think, uh, possibly, hopefully, to the healing process. Absolutely. It's certainly not meant to be a substitute for psychotherapy or a good, you know, group therapy experience, but it's, it's an adjunctive tool. Uh, you know, I haven't worked with any uh, rape survivor who has not been drawn to journal. It's, you know, especially uh, in a culture where we have been silenced, which is what we're talking about today. Yes. Especially, you know, people who have, even people who have come forward decades ago, 15 years ago, recently, you know, have been silenced. Mm. People have come forward and not been heard. So, especially given that, there is a craving to tell one's story. That's a natural part of healing, too, mm-hmm. is to tell your story um, as you come to terms with it, to make the narrative your own rather than um, remain victim to someone else's story. So it's a natural part of a recovery process is to, is to work on your own narrative and to express yourself and to tell the story. So this is, um, my, you know, my journal is uh, a way to help women and men do that. Excellent. All right, we're going to take a short break Please stay with us. We are in a a time of, um, what do I want to say, accelerated awareness. The things that have been going on long before Ashley or I were born um, are now being exposed in headlines, but we must go further than headlines. It's a, it's a hot story now, and so the media is alive with uh, making it as sensational as they possibly can. I am a member of the media, so I feel free I can say that. Uh, but we uh, need to go beyond headlines and, and, and reach out because much of what's not in the headlines is still going on in areas that you might not think of. So it, during the break, think about restaurants and fast food industry and retail, uh, blue-collar industries. And, and, of course, I am Roman Catholic, so I will say this, the Roman Catholic Church. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Taking care of an Alzheimer's patient is a pretty much a full-time. Fifty percent of caregivers die uh, while they are caring for awareness someone. about Alzheimer's and research. Just because someone's mind is being diminished, does not mean that uh, the ordinary physical things don't happen. They can uh, have a sore throat and not be able to tell you. They can have something in their eye and not be able to explain it. So you have to be aware that in every respect, life is still going on for them physically, even though you are focused on the the mental dementia, the, the person is still living a life physically and emotionally. For all those who see this video, I hope you will learn more than I ever did 
before you ever have to know it. That's my message. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. The Reasonable Voice guest today is Ashley Warner, and we are talking about the misuse or misunderstanding of the term rape culture. Ashley has told us that this is permeates uh, all levels of society, even though, and it's important to remember this too for the sake of balance, there are very few men who commit the act of rape. Now, there are probably more men who say or do things that can be called legitimately sexual harassment, but we want you to understand that while there may be degrees of difference, uh, anything that is unwanted that you impose on another human being is is un- both unwelcomed and not a decent thing to do. M- maybe you can put a, a, a more right. articulate intellectual sp- uh, take on that. Will you, Ashley? Oh, well, that's what we're always striving to do, right, is to find a way to express this. I mean, substitute in your sister or your mother. Would you behave that way to her? Mm. <laughs> Very you know, good. is what you you know is what you would say, what you're about to say to your female coworker, is that something you would say to your sister? Would you roll up a magazine and pop your sister on the on the behind and tell her she looks good in that skirt? If not, then you might not want to say it to your coworker. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and and it's interesting. Can you imagine your female coworker doing something to you? Um, you know turn it around and, and it feels a little funny, doesn't it? Can you yes. imagine <laughs> can you imagine uh, you know, a female co-worker um, making lewd sexual gestures uh, to her male co-worker who happens to be leaning over the desk at the moment? Hmm. I mean, you know, yes. maybe there are random cases of people who have to <laughs> do that, but for the most part, uh, you know, I think, I think that's a, um, a maybe a good way to uh, to test your impulses. Excellent. That's an ec- See, I'm glad I asked you, uh, because you, you put it so much better than I did. Where do we find ourselves when this is no longer the story of the month, Ashley? What, what do we do? Well, I'm hoping that it will be the story of the month for months to come. This all began, well, it began with every woman who was brave enough to come forward even when there were no there was, you know, no hope of any kind of consequences. Yes. It feels like though the the current cycle began around Cosby and yes. you know, there was such backlash against that. And you know, and then we get uh, fast forward a little bit to the the Ailes and the O'Reilly, yes. and uh, there's still a lot of backlash and how dare are these people accused and so on. And now we're to the point where, you know, Matt Lauer comes in and is, you know, fired unceremoniously. There is some apparent, uh, his buck stops here, finally, mm. uh, some kind of accountability that is happening. And I'm hoping that the momentum will continue. What is not Stopped are these are, are the voices of the women and men who are coming forward now, and people are coming forward now, not jumping on some sort of bandwagon as, mm. as 
they're often accused of, but coming forward because there is now support, there is there is now companionship in a very isolating experience. There is now some hope of being heard and listened to like never before. That is why these women and men are, are you know, finally coming forward after a long time. It's not surprising at all that people didn't speak up during, you know, following an incident of, of abuse or harassment. You know, uh, if your livelihood is on the line, um, if there is no hope of recourse. And of course, we know that many people did come forward too, and 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 were and were silenced. So you know, the the voices of the women have have not stopped pouring in, mm. and I think we've seen it um, a gush since the uh, election of of uh, President Trump. Yes. Um, and I think that really tipped the scale. It's interesting because. I, I'm not sure we would be seeing this unfolding the way that we are witnessing it had Clinton won the White House. Um, there would have certainly been other battles yes. uh, that women would have been fighting, no doubt about it. But I think that someone could be elected to the highest office in the United States and could be elected even after we all heard with our own ears mm-hmm. um, the man asserting his uh, you know, process of sexually harassing women. We all heard the tape yes. um, of him, you know, talking about his tactics for sexual assault, sexual, you know, and harassment. And the fact that he could still be elected, I think, is one of the elements that has inspired such a, you know, a thunderous response from women. You know, 22,000 women, for example, have signed up at Emily's List, uh, mm. which is the organization that helps get women elected to office. Yes. Um, that's opposed to, I think, 1,000 women who had signed up in the 10 months before the election. I mean, that is an overwhelming response. Yes. Um, so I think there is, you know, again, a thunderous response like never before, and hopefully, you know, we will demand to stay in the news cycle. Yes. <laughs> um, for many, many more months to come and years and for the future. You know, uh, exactly. And I, I think if if I may just tag on something and to uh, just add my uh, agreement here, I don't think if uh, Hillary Clinton had been elected that we would be talking about this. And I would add as proof of that, we elected the first black-looking president and did not end racism. If we elect the first woman, it will not end rape. But electing someone like Donald Trump and his blatant disregard for many values that that most Americans hold dear, uh, maybe some by the tips of our fingernails, but we hold it as dear as we possibly can, has aroused a rise of uh, men who uh, who treat women with decency and has, and has brought women to the political arena. And let's face it, um, all of the other areas that need to be addressed where sexual assault and harassment and rape occur can be fixed to a large extent. Nothing, you can't legislate everything, but can be fixed to a large extent if we have the right, if we have women, first of all, uh, in, in office, but also men who 
uh, understand that there needs to be gender equality, just as there needs to be gender income parity, just as there needs to be a belief that LGBTQ community has the same equal rights as the rest of us. Okay, enough of me. But I just I just wanted to, to make that point. Uh, why why do you think, Ashley, it's so difficult for many Americans to take this in? I, I, uh-huh. I often speak of this when we talk about Alzheimer's on the show. Everyone's uh-huh. in denial. Well, when, when do we grow up and, and get serious? Uh, you know, how far does it have to go before we we face things, talk about them, and seek solutions? Yeah. I, you know, it goes back, I think, again, to uh, that psychological experience that I was talking about earlier about disavowal. Um, I think we choose not to know. Or it's not a choice. I think it just happens. I think we are, we shut down and uh, don't take in what is psychologically threatening to our well-being. And so for especially those who are comfortable enough in life, there is no incentive to rock the boat and to make changes. I think change happens when you uh, are in more pain uh, in the status quo than with the risk of something new. And, you know, and so until then, I think that's why you see so many, many people stubbornly holding on to their beliefs. You know, and also when you're talking about celebrities or community leaders, mm-hmm. you know, there's also something in, in play where, where these are our these are our heroes. You know, we all need it's a psychological human need that we need people to look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the hero myths exist. You know, we we need leaders, mentors, heroes to look up to, to emulate, to inspire us. To feel like there is someone stronger, smarter, better, you know, out there protecting us. We need this experience. And when something is threatening, you know, threatening that safety, you know, when a beloved celebrity figure is being accused of heinous behavior or crime, mm. it, it also rocks our sense of security. And it's a lot easier to lash out against women or or um, cry false news than it is to you know to experience that shattering of of our of our foundation. Well, I think, and I don't mean to be flippant, but I think my answer to that is we need to start seeing uh, the heroes within us. We need to be our own heroes. We need to stand up for each other and. I wish all the people we elected were heroes, but no one has an exclusive on heroism, whether it's your boss or your preacher, your priest, your your spouse even, your date, you know, the, the, the people you ride into work on the subway, whatever it is, I think we need to become heroes for each other. I don't know. Am I, I too starry-eyed with that, Ashley? What do you think? Well, I, I think... I think we are seeing a lot more heroes emerge. Yes. Um, you know, I, and I think it's natural that we have community leaders and, and look to others. But yes, I, I think that having an experience of being empowered, mm-hmm. um, you know, helps us have a 
strong core and be able to, you know, navigate our lives more uh, free with the courage of our own convictions and independent thoughts and, yeah, and so on. So, yeah, I'm all for our own, yes. <laughs> our own growth individual. That's right. It, 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 it even uh, links with... Um... Think globally, act locally, you know, be a hero in your neighborhood, and it, it ripples out. I, I just am so glad you were on the show today, and I want to talk some now about how we can get your books, the journal, and as well as the year after memoir. Tell us um, how, how can we reach out to you uh, and reach out to uh, benefit from your books. about it is to find me on ashleywarner.com and from there there are links to my books there are links to my social media and of course information about my psychotherapy practice um, as well that's probably the best place to find me so just ashleywarner w-a-r-n-e-r uh, dot com no dot in between your first and last name nope just all all one word okay very good and you know, you mentioned Emerge, uh, and I will, um, I know you were talking about Emerge, small e, but I want to throw out uh, uh, Emerge America. Uh, it is an amazing organization that uh, teaches women how to run for political office. And in Virginia on this past November 7th, um, amazing things happen in large part exactly in large part because of what you were saying earlier 22,000 women signing up to say you know enough is enough and I think we've come to that point and I think I would like to see as many men sign up with the same attitude of enough is enough we need to stand by our mothers and daughters and grandmothers and sisters and fiancés and wives and girlfriends because they could be the victim of someone else's unwanted attention. And as you pointed out, we need to start not only examining ourselves in that light, but also being uh, sensitive to the needs of the women and girls in our life and that they deserve an equal uh, chance at respect. Tell us, leave us with what uh, is, a, is one of the most important thoughts for you. you the thing you want us to take away from this show, Ashley Warner, please. Well, we can talk about where to go from here. Yes. But I think, first of all, we need to be here. Yes. I think we need to be here for a while. You know, this is where we need to be, not moving on from it yet. We need to hear these women's stories. We need to tell our own stories. We need to listen. Um, and we need to hold people accountable and, uh, and you know, and be willing to, uh, you know, create a new environment, a new context for women and everyone to thrive. Okay. Thank you so much. We've been talking to the reasonable voice of Ashley Warner. And uh, Ashley, as uh, the books we have mentioned and her experience and qualifications as psychoanalyst uh, and psychotherapy. I think uh, the, the edition of the a Year After uh, journal that um, is a way to, to heal and a way to do it as privately as you wish, if that's a goal, you know. But I welcome uh, 
uh, what we've heard today. And Ashley, thank you. Ashley Warner, thank you so very much for being on the Reasonable Voices talk radio show today. We wish you all the very best. Thanks, Marcello. Always a pleasure. Same here. Bye now. My grandfather I lost when I was 17, and my and see like the sea of purple. People have been impacted by this disease, but want to continue. My mother had been diagnosed um, with Alzheimer's as well. Um, in the fall, we were doing the walk to end Alzheimer's, um, and that was the first event where I saw um, the community really come together for this one event. And um, it was raining that day; it was cold, but um, it, a bunch of people. There were so many people out there because they believe that this is an issue that's worth um, their time. With the Junior Alzheimer's Association, I've been honored to plan certain things that are happening in the community to make a difference in the community at a young age, and we also help fight the fight against Alzheimer's. My overreaching uh, goal every day is about concern and awareness, raising concern about the disease, awareness about the Alzheimer's Association. My mom's been gone 10 years now, and I'm just feeling like I want to be involved. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Nixon, 18 minutes. Trump, 18 days. More, 14 to 16. When I first arrived in Manhattan through Port Authority, the biggest worry was making certain no one snatched your suitcase. But that was before consensual oro in the Oval and 9-11 were used as weapons of mass destruction by compassionate conservatives to launch endless war. It's not just our southern anchor and religious pillar. It's how leaders lobbying for divisive politics, trickle-down economics, and church and state combos manipulate our love of country into fear of differences, to divide out of many one and conquer Gettysburg Address intent. Only we who award the reins of power have the power to rein in the leaders who inspire an increasing chasm between left and right, young and old, rich and poor, Obamacare and careless Trump, all while elevating the wall between the educated and the deserted. So why is it GOP leaders, religious conservatives, and many Alabama women see only the speck of sawdust in the eyes of more Trump accusers, but pay no attention to the gender-insulting plank of sexual offenders, choosing instead to penalize targets of bullying and abuse, women, girls, LGBTQ citizens, men, and boys. We can emulate inept and or corrupt leaders or insist bankers stop financially raping aspirants to higher education. We can tune in to those who espouse fake news while projecting a lack of fair and balance on the redundant and imperfect prose, or we can disavow risking our freedom to think by derailing Pied Pipers willing to say and do anything to distract us from the differences between Bannon power fantasies and the realities of life in both the Middle East and middle class. As nation and people, we again face another why in the road and must choose. For what shall it profit we the people if Republicans shall gain the evangelical vote and lose our justice for all soul? 
We've lost our balance. California health hires largely ignored by Washington, the silence breakers of Me Too inflamed by men akin to both America's 45th and his Roy penis extension, and also good men, rudely awakened to enlightenment. Off-color jokes, suggestive coupling comments, groping gesticulations, even some flirtations have damaged lives. If we elect a child molester to consolidate political power, isn't it easy to pardon colluding with a foreign power and rekindling Moore's good old days? Perhaps the mortal storm shouldn't have made my list of movies to watch during Tis the Season to be Jolly. However, revisiting the 1940 film starring Margaret Sullivan, who overdosed in 1960, James, before he became Jimmy and Brigadier General Stewart, pre-Father Knows Best Robert Young, and the wizard himself, Frank Morgan, reminded me, we didn't know, failed as an excuse 72 years ago. Our support our troops, love thy neighbor as thyself, and our thoughts and prayers, meaningless cliches, or cause to create heaven on earth with climate justice and gender equality. If America chooses to follow leaders willing to sacrifice truth for the exhilaration of personal gain, trusting homeland security to our historical tendency to hero worship, doesn't our very identity become a welcome mat for blaming the victims? It's not just innocent until proven guilty. It's the repression of healthy romantic intimacy creating the rapists of human decency. It's not just powerful men abusing power and women. It's those armed with the power to vote denying domestic terrorism while doing the bidding of gun violence provocateurs, phony patriots, and religious extremists. It's we, the marketed by political spin, who've succumbed to a rape culture, enticing us to ignore the domestic violence of bullies and friends. Perhaps a comedian's farewell to Congress is the wisdom needed to avoid bequeathing the height of irony and depth of hypocrisy to our children, especially our female children. It's not evil that makes us in its image, but our American dream, challenging us to let go of our past nightmares and embrace the hope and love of justice that reinvigorates America the Beautiful. Acknowledging we are the architects of the trumped world in which we currently live empowers in us this joyful refrain. We remain the harmony that lifts America from the ashes of discord, rebuilt and renewed. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the Reasonable Voices. 
heard round the world.